Hi, ho all you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Just a heads up, this episode has a generous use of the N-word, so if you're sensitive to that, be forewarned. Also, I want to give props and thanks to Song Freedom for being a supporter of the show. If you need to legally license music for your productions, from every genre including top 40 and mainstream artists, look no further than Song Freedom. Go to songfreedom.com slash radio to unlock a standard GOAT-level license worth $30. We thank Song Freedom for their support. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Radio Film School Short Ends. These are many documentary episodes about all things cinema to hold you over into the next episode of the main series, A Filmmaker's Journey. If you want to know the origin of the term short ends, check the website. Enjoy. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Anyone who listened to the Michael Angelakis podcast a few weeks back knows that I opened the podcast with my thoughts about the reaction to a piece I wrote about Quentin Tarantino for the New York Times this past fall and how the reaction on social media devolved into a simplistic reading of the piece branding Tarantino and myself at times as sexist, racist mutants because we had opinions steeped in aesthetics about movies that just happened to be directed by women and these opinions did not conform to PC ideology and the sentimental narrative culture. You're listening to a clip from the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. Brett is the claimed author of Less Than Zero, a journalist and screenwriter. He has a relatively huge following and gets some of the biggest names in Hollywood as guests on his podcast. This is part of his opening monologue to his interview with Quentin Tarantino. And this was a troubling reminder about where everyone is as an artist in the culture if you are open about your likes and dislikes. But of course, the criticism hurled at Tarantino is the logical outcome of victim culture. This is the outcome of both terrible helicoptering parents and Facebook culture conspiring to create a generation of wussy self-victimizers who overreact to the slightest thing that alters their self-made safe spaces, which they have been occupying ever since they began building their social media havens where they can only have friends who agree with them about everything and all the things they like and tune out anything that might challenge them, scare them, or God forbid have a differing opinion than theirs, perhaps entering into a debate that would help them become an adult. You'd probably have no idea from listening to that clip that Brett is a gay man. People that fall into certain racial, gender, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic demographics always tend to be stereotyped and placed into certain groups based on that demographic. That's why I love it when I hear a person with a strong or provocative point of view who isn't afraid to express it even if their point of view falls outside of their demographic stereotypes. Today I want to make a small contribution to a greater discussion that has been going on, that is racial representation in Hollywood. But if you know me, I don't like to tread where others have gone before if I can't bring something new to the conversation. You're going to hear three black people talk about race in Hollywood. And like the aforementioned Brett Easton Ellis clip, you may be surprised at what we have to say. Nigga lava. <laughs> From a movie? Okay, yeah, from yeah, it's from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. What kind of man are you? You got children of your own. I should have killed myself until it going to the sheriff. Nigga, <laughs> 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 
put that in your podcast, Ron. I dare you. I dare you. Woman, woman, tell me your name. If you've been listening to the last few episodes of the show, you'll recognize the voices of my dear friends J.D. and Yolanda Conkren, indie filmmaker and ex-production company executive, respectively. Do you hear them? Yeah. I can't hear them. You can't hear me? Oh. Oh my goodness. He's having a Mary Sue moment. (laughs) You know, a Mary Sue is when something works out for you, though. (laughs) Right, yes. (laughs) I had a long discussion with JD and Yo about the recent controversies in Hollywood over the lack of any people of color in this or even last year's actor nominations. But on this episode of Short Ends, I don't want to address that. That has been discussed at length at any number of different podcasts and blog posts. I may post a full interview later as a bonus. No, today I want to talk about satire, political correctness, and the N-word. We should be able to adequately delve into those three topics in about 15 or 20 minutes, don't you think? I want to address these topics because as filmmakers and storytellers, there will come a time when you will want to tell a provocative story, or show a provocative image, or use provocative language. Will you have the fortitude and courage to do it regardless of how people might respond? You know, sort of like putting out a podcast episode with a generous use of one of the most hated and in some cases I think misunderstood words in society. What do you guys think about the use of that word in films? Yeah. Nigga, please. I use that shit all the time. <laughs> and now people want to ban it. Use it for 100 years. Now all of a sudden it's a bad word. You shouldn't have made the motherfucker up in the first place then. <laughs> shit. We were off to a great start. Right. That bullshit. Right. It's an interesting question. Mm. Do you remember all the controversy last year when Obama used that word on the WTF yeah. podcast? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, so here's what's crazy. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, so here's what's, here's what I thought was kind of crazy. Cause I listen, when I listen to the episode, when you hear his use of that word in the context of the interview, I can't imagine how anyone would have an issue with how he used that word. Yeah. It was completely non-controversial. Oh yeah. It was, it was totally matter of fact. It was almost more like a history lesson. Excuse the bouncing. You're probably hearing my son run up the steps. Yeah. Um, and then you go to someone like Tarantino, and I just recently saw, you know, Hateful Eight. <laughs> Have you seen Django? Yeah, I saw Django. Yeah, I saw yeah. Django. I heard that Hateful Eight has more than Django. Yeah. Um, when you go to, you know, Tarantino and his use, and even, I mean, shoot, even go back as far as Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. you know, the scene that always comes to mind is where... Uh, Jules and H- hold on a second. Let me find out what is going on. We're gonna hear, we're gonna hear Ron use the N word. Use the N word. Hello. Hey, hey, Ron. Yeah, Ron. I told Yolanda we were about to hear you use the N word. He said, "Oh, Ron's gonna go use the N word. He's gonna use the N word." Nigga, what the fuck, you know I'm doing the podcast. I hope, I wish you would bounce the ball. Bounce again and see what happens. Bounce it again. Bounce it one more. <laughs> right, right. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Am I making you nervous? Uh, I was thinking specifically about that scene in Pulp Fiction where um, Sam Jackson and uh, what's his name's character? Uh, yeah, Travolta's character, where they've killed, they accidentally killed um, their informant, and they take him to. Tarantino. Oh, they're in the car, right? They're in the car, and, and they take him to Tarantino's house. Yeah, they take him to Tarantino's house, um, and he's like, I forgot the exact context or exactly what he said, but Tarantino's character says, "But you know what's on my mind right now? It ain't the coffee in my kitchen. It's the dead nigger in my garage." Oh, Jimmy, don't even worry well, no, about no, no, it. Wait a minute, don't think about anything. I want to ask you a question. When you came pulling in here, did you notice a sign out in the front of my house that said dead nigger storage? Jimmy, you know I ain't seen no shit. Did you notice a sign in the front of my house that said dead nigger storage? No, I didn't. You know why you didn't see that sign? Why? Because it ain't there, because storing dead niggers ain't my fucking business. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's some funny shit that is funny but here's what I thought was interesting like when he talks about his wife because like the name of that chapter in his movie was like the the bunny situation or something like that and he's talking about like how his wife will be pissed if she comes home and finds like a dead nigger in her garage his uh, wife is black Jimmy we're not gonna store them don't you fucking realize man that a bunny comes home and finds a dead body in her house I'm gonna get divorced all right, no marriage counseling, no trial separation. I'm going to get fucking divorced, okay? And I don't want to get fucking divorced. I mean, you know, fuck. I mean, I want to help you, but I don't want to lose my wife doing it, all right? Like, I always thought that was interesting. Yeah. Do you not? Uh, I kind of just... <laughs> I mean, well, I don't think it was specifically interesting. I just feel like, you know, it's kind of... What is interesting just in now having been discussing it is that that was just a piece of casting and that's kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, you could ca- you could have cast it in any way. But, uh, I, but I also no, would argue, no, I think, no. it, yeah, I think it goes more to the fact that it, it kind of is a writer's, uh, for him as a writer, I would imagine that he's thinking, oh, this gives me a little street cred. This this kind of makes it like I'm not the racist guy. I'm married to a black woman, for God's sake. I don't it think, kinda, I don't think when you know thinks like that, though. I don't think well, he cares. I don't think he, but right. I don't know. I, then, then why? I don't think he, because if it's not what Yolanda's saying and it's not what I'm saying, then what is it? Is it just that he's think, crazy? No, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think so. No, do I don't, you think he deliberately? Yes, I think there he, was some deliberate deliberateness to him having an interracial. Yes, I do. I that's what I'm Absolutely saying. Absolutely do. I'm but saying I don't that. think I, just, I don't think he did it just to protect himself from being the racist. No, not at all. Look, I don't I, think I, I don't think, think he I makes think creative like, choices like that. I mean, if he was worried about being racist. <laughs> He no, 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 no. Uh, you're missing what I'm, you're missing my point. Oh, what's my your point? Is my point is it that it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, <sighs> nigga. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I'm saying is that when you, uh, for me, I just think that it 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 kind of paints a shading of the type of character that it, it shades aspects of that character. The Tarantino character. In the the Tarantino character. Here's a white dude with who's married to a black woman, so he might feel more comfortable saying a word that, whether he should or not, it just kind of paints a certain picture about that character. I should clarify what I mean by it's a piece of casting. What I mean by that is 
it is a choice and it's going to inform characterization. And I think it goes to the idea that the world is inhabited by complex individuals Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, this monochromatic (laughs) kind of representation that we might get from a lot of movies. And, And it's an example of a different direction you can go in and be more, uh, uh, paint a picture that's more representative of the society that we live in. Going back to the Pulp Fiction example you cited, where he comes out of his house, to me, that was totally acceptable because for me, it didn't bother me, and I'll tell you why. One is I felt like he knew these guys, the hitmen that came over to his house. They obviously knew him because they went to his house. He's, hey, buddy, we need help. Right, right. So right. it's like, for him, I can imagine if I showed up at at, at my wife, if I rolled up to Mark Hazard's house <laughs> with a dead body and said, hey, I need to put this in a garage, he'd be like, nigga, are you crazy? Like, you know, do you see, I mean, I can see somebody irate or getting mad at that moment and, and, and saying those things, even white, black, Mexican, whatever, it would, and it, it, you know, so I didn't, it didn't bother me because it's like he was justifiably perturbed that these hitmen that he knows would have the audacity to show up with a, a dead body, a dead black man, and want him to store it. And right. so to cut to the chase and really uh, uh, get the idea across that he was pissed off about it, he, was, he said nigga. That word means so many different things. Like, if you could use it interchangeably with an MF. You know, you could say, you know, nigga please. Or you could be like, MF please. You know, it's like based upon inflection in your voice, who you're talking to, what's the circumstance, the context, it takes on like different meanings. Right. Yo, 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 Ron, what's up? You my nigga. What's up, Ron? This scenario. Right, right. It's such an interesting, complex word that really has so much nuance to it, uh, particularly, you know, in the African-American community using it. Typically, you don't hear white people using it except in certain circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so, like JD's talking about in the context of that scene, he throws it out in a sentence, and it means it could be like you dumbass, you you know. It's like it has that meaning, you know. So, anyway, but I think some of the controversy around how Tarantino has used it, yes, has been there. There are some cases in his dialogue where it feels more. It feels gratuitous. It feels gratuitous. Feels like a more casual use, like almost, like even in *Hateful Eight, the one of the I characters think, is British and he uses it. And yeah, and not I that think Brits people can't, feel like Quentin is just far too comfortable using. Yeah, it's like it. it I would say like you know you got to be careful. <laughs> you know that you don't slide into just feeling a little too comfortable. You know. <laughs> You know, using that word, I see him rolling up to a, 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 a club or something. You talking to a black bartender? Hey, nigga, give me a drink. Excuse me. Right. You know, don't get too comfortable, Quentin. But you know, it's like, you know, whatever. Well, I, you know, some of the podcasts I listen to, uh, a couple of podcasts I listen to. One is called uh, The Read, um, and another one is um, called Another Round. And both have African American hosts, and they talk about the culture of today and. 
particularly as it relates to race relations. And, you know, they've commented, and I've heard other people comment about basically, for that, you know, cutting to the chase how white people shouldn't use that word ever. Yeah. Um, but, like, in, in your. Uh, example, I don't, I don't you know, were saying I don't you didn't have ever. an issue with that no. particular scene because you said he... They, like, I would say that character was yeah. justified. When they rolled up to his house with a dead black man and asked him to store it in his garage, I mean, you should really never use that word, but he obviously knew them. Right. And that was like, you know, I felt like it was that character getting the point across, this is fucking crazy. I cannot believe you're asking me to do this. Right. And one way to illustrate that was through dialogue and... and, yeah. and that and it and I you know it's like never I, I never I try to never say never yeah and uh and so like for them to say no one should ever use it ever mm, I don't know I mean you know and and Django sometimes that stuff is just, I mean it's like should the people who you know that worked on Roots never had said it should actors never say it should it never uh, what are we saying we should never use the word to like accurately depict what's going well no I, I mean I, I think the what are we saying? The examples I was giving that they're talking about is why people should never use it in social context. Obviously, if you're having, you know, like an example you gave that's totally different. But they're saying like, like the example you gave, they would say it's not appropriate for a white friend to roll up and say, hey, what's up, my nigga? Right. right okay. There are some people who feel like that. Yeah. feel like, you know, that's not a word that. I, I think that I think that's fair. I mean, I mean. It's a very, very minuscule <laughs> than context in which it makes sense this conversation about crossing the line came up in another conversation I had with JD earlier in the year when we were talking about South Park and their use of satire you know it's like for South Park and a lot of people probably get bent out of shape and twisted by what they you know are offended by what you know South Park does but that's what I love about them Mm-hmm. It's like they they never I mean to me it's like they're always jarring. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe they just did that. I can't believe you know, but they're always making points. It's not like they just throw some crap out and there's no message behind it, you know. There are two things I wanted to touch on that you said that were interesting. Um one was this idea of like we we're being we being like the community or uh society right being so PC, like like you said, like Richard Pryor couldn't probably can't exist today and i mean at some point i don't know we went astray with like look this is a comic he's gonna say ridiculous stuff you shouldn't be getting mad about this and i'm not saying everybody i mean news reporters shouldn't be coming on you know you know talking crazy but right i mean right, you got to right. understand where you're at you know, you know what you're doing and, and if you're at a comedy club and someone says something that's off-colored you know they might just have a bad joke or a bad night or whatever but if it's a comic you like or whatnot or even if you don't like them I mean, you just chalk it up to that's what it is. You know, they're the worker and they're set in a comedy club. It's not like it's the HBO special. You know, a lot of the, I mean, they need that to, to, to you know, here, here's the thing. Chris Rock won't even play colleges anymore. He's, and he's told a lot of his friends not to because it's, they're too PC. Chris, you know, this is Chris Rock. Right, right. No, I heard that. I heard that. And didn't Seinfeld say the same yes, thing? Yes, Jerry Seinfeld said the same thing. I mean, in, oh, you know, he, if you want to talk about cutting edge, he's not. You know, he's talking about socks and a dryer. But I mean, right. he's even, you know, he, even he is saying like, wow, the, you know, the PC world is too crazy. I think that right now, which will be might sound crazy coming out of my mouth because I'm I tend to lean more progressive. So the climate in our culture is way too politically incorrect or, or politically correct, so that when people say things or they're quickly labeled as a racist, this or that or whatever. And I, I 
I think that like when you look at comedians or artists or filmmakers, I'm not saying, oh, it should just be uh, open season on using the word nigga. You know, everybody can say it whenever and however. But I feel like nowadays it's so easy to get on Twitter or to, you know, to, you know, to uh, lambast p- people in social media for them using words or crossing the line, especially like comedians or whatever, that I, I tend to back away from that and I get all bent out of shape. You know, because artists and a lot of sometimes comedians you like might cross the line. But, you know, I kind of feel in a lot of ways that's a comedian's job is to kind of walk right up to that line and kind of find out where the we won't know where the line's at unless they cross it. To go back to your question about um, injecting something for provocation's sake solely. Right. Versus to serve your artistic endeavor. If it's solely just to create controversy, then... I'm not in favor of that unless there's some kind of social agenda attached with that, that, you know, if someone feels that there's a serious subject matter that needs to be addressed and so they want to bring attention to it and that's their aim and it's not really about an artistic expression. But if it's just, oh, I want to gen up some controversy so that I get, you know, I have more people see my film and make more money, then that's not cool. I guess I think typically, mm-hmm. though, if, if someone if someone is trying to inject, you know, some kind of provocative subject matter into their artistic expression, if that's com- if that's in conjunction with serving the story and also, you know, creating, you know, public discourse, then I think that's a good thing. I think more than any other medium, film has the power to effect change in our society and make people think. It can create movements, start causes, raise money, or bring awareness. And it can do it on a scale like no other medium can. As filmmakers and storytellers, I think we have a duty, an obligation even, to use our gifts courageously and boldly in a way that affects that change. Otherwise, both the medium and our talents are wasted. But we must remember, with great power comes great responsibility. But I think that responsibility extends only to our intent and our attempt to put that provocative work out in the world. The execution may not always hit the mark. As such, be ready to take the heat and stand behind your work. But if you do so with honesty, integrity, and authenticity, I think you'll be surprised at how far people will let you go. Stay tuned after the credits for a poignant bonus segment from my discussion with J.D. and Yolanda. Radio Film School is a production of Dear Dreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me with production help from Chris Huslidge. Music was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to artists and tracks are in the show notes. Speaking of music, when you need to legally and affordably license high-quality music from every genre, including top 40 and mainstream artists, look no further than Song Freedom. Go to songfreedom.com radio and use offer code radio to unlock a free standard gold-level license worth $30. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. I'd love to hear what you think about this topic, so join the discussion at facebook.com slash radiofilmschool. 
Lastly, subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave a rating and review. That really helps the show out more than you can imagine and would be so helpful. So help a nigga out and show some iTunes love. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Until next time. But my main thing is I don't want to censor anybody. If that's how you feel and that's what you want to say, good. Let me have it. I could take it. I'm a big boy. But at the same time, you got to be a big boy, a big girl. And if, if people don't like what you're saying, you're going to catch some shit for it. You're going to, you know, you're going to catch repercussions. Language. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I mean, you, yeah, you don't worry about language. He's, bleeping. He's got bleeps. He got bleeps. You up here. And this is, we're technically an, an E-rated show, so on okay. iTunes. Just, I'm just checking. Yeah. But thanks for I thinking of me. But you could, can he can't, he can bleep it. He okay. can bleep it out. Okay. Or just leave it and put an yeah. E on the episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Wait, what I want to say is why my wife is fronting all of a sudden. She used all these words left, right, and center, and now all of a sudden she's Margaret Thatcher and she has to speak proper English. Nigga, please. Yes, this year there in the acting categories there are no um, people of color. However, what I would say is that how many roles are there out there available for people of color? And, you know, are they being created? And, and if not, then what's behind that? Who are the decision makers who are deciding what material gets made? Um, who's going to be, you know, steering the ship? Now, tangentially, just before you respond to that, I was wondering, because of the fact that, you know, Spike pointed out the acting categories and... I was thinking, you know, it's a broader discussion about the opportunities for people of color in the business. And so I looked as well at the technical categories that have been nominated. And ah. I, can, I can give you the numbers. So basically what I did is I looked at all the technical categories and I looked to see how many women were nominated and also how many people um, of, you know, other ethnicities other than, you know, just European, Caucasian, etc. But interestingly, there are a number of, since we're talking about people of color, there are a number of Mexicans who are nominated this year. And a funny Wait, thing hold happened. On. Hold on. Just for the record, for those listening, that's not me typing. That's probably JD. Oh, sorry. Are you hearing yes. typing? Yes. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> A funny thing happened on the way to the theater. <laughs> yeah. So, of the technical categories, one of them I included directing. So, one of the directing nominations is a Mexican who directed The Revenant. Right. I will give you one guess as to which movie all of these other Mexicans are nominated for. The Revenant? It's the Revenant. Wow. Correct. All, so, the other, all the other Mexicans in the technical categories. Yes. Correct. Interesting. So, you know, what I have been saying over this course of days is it comes down to those people in positions of power and influence and who have an effect on hiring practices will then naturally have an effect on the opportunities and those number of material and performances and writing and directing and producing, et cetera, et cetera, that 
would be worthy of nomination. If you give those people, if you give people of color an opportunity to be able to do work, then they will naturally and organically bring people with them. Oh, what's up, what's up, bro? I'm here because my place got broken into. Has anyone shady come by here? I mean, the 17th Street blips. The 17th Street blips. Okay, where are they? 17th Street. Let's just go check it out. What's the worst that can happen? One beer, please. I'll take a white wine spritz. Clarence, Clarence, yeah. Clarence. Yeah. What? You can't talk like that. Here. Then we really are in trouble because you sound like John Ritter all the time. Well, I beg to differ, nigga. Went straight to the N-word. You That's niggas in the right okay. place? Cheddar's got Keanu. We in the market right now for like a gangster pet, so. The fuck? That was a clip from Keem Pill's new movie, Keanu. I just threw that in as a sort of bonus to the bonus. Do yourself a favor and check out the Red Band trailer for the movie on the blog post for this episode. It's hilarious. See you next week.